Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly and happy to welcome Asha Daha to Smart Amazing Conversations with me, Dr. Nancy. Asha is an author, a TED Talk speaker, film producer, and founder of GirlTalkHQ.com. She was born in the UK and raised in Australia. Asha lives now in Los Angeles and for the last 16 years has been creating and producing and hosting content for networks like MTV, Disney, ABC, Nickelodeon, and many, many more. So she is considered a voice of authority in the feminist media space. Asha has delivered keynote addresses to organizations such as Accenture, UCLA, and March for Moms, and she has moderated panels on the UN Women, which I'm very excited about, Mount Sinai, uh, Mary's University, and Empower Her Institute, and Women's Voices Now Film Festival, to name, again, just a few. Currently, Asha is working in post-production on a short documentary about later abortion, developing a docu-series about global abortion laws and an award-winning UK production company and hosting the Repro film podcast interview series for Reproduction Choice since 2021. She wrote a book based on stories from her website, Girl Talk HQ, called Today's Wonder Woman, Woman, Women, Today's Wonder Women, Everyday Superheroes Who Are Changing the World. So I'm so excited to have you. And that is a mouthful. It's very it is. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for the introduction. Well, I, I didn't do you justice, but I, you're doing such amazing things in the world. You know, one, one of the things that is very important to me when I talk to someone like yourself is your story. You know, you've you spent so much time looking at other women's stories, but I think that's truly the connector for women is when we tell each other our stories, yeah. who we are, where we came from, someone like yourself, you're beautiful, you're intelligent, you're accomplished. Some women might look at you and say, things are easy for her. Her life has been oh, easy. Gosh. And this is why the stories, but, but again, Asha, this is why the stories are so very, very important is because when we truly start to talk about where we've come from, we understand that no one's path is clear or direct, is that our paths sometimes uh, go up and down and all around, and we have highs and lows in our lives. And for you, and I will I will also agree, my life, because of my ups and downs, helped me to become who I am. 
let's talk about you because you're the most important person here today is your story and how you become so passionate, absolutely powerful in your journey to help women and women's rights. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I couldn't agree more. I think stories are the thing that connects us as human beings and makes us more relatable. So I am Indian by background. That's my heritage. And I was born in the UK, moved to Australia um, when I was around eight and did all my school and college and, you know, very formative years growing up there. So as an immigrant family living in Australia, which at the time, this is in the 90s, when you look at magazines, when you look at TV, it was predominantly very white. It wasn't as multicultural as you'd want to think. And But in society, Australia is a, is a melting pot, just like America. Yeah. So I felt TV didn't represent who I was. And so I always struggled to find my place. Like, where do I fit in? I'm not represented in the stories I see on screen. I'm not represented in the teen magazines that I would read at school. Like there's no one that looks like me with brown skin and black hair and bushy eyebrows at the time. Yeah. And so it it really was, I, I think I've spent many years find, figuring out who am I and what's my place in the world. And one of the things that my mom planted in my head, you know, that tiny seed of wanting to share stories and be connected to other women was she was very much as an immigrant Indian mother. She really loved watching movies about Indian women who defeated the odds and overcame adversity to become a role model or a hero or a pioneer, you know, based on real life and these art house Indian films. And I used to kind of look at her and think, mom, why are you so into these films? It's not a big deal, like whatever. But seeing her so interested in those stories really planted a seed for me. And so as I went on in my life and career, I fell into TV hosting at a young age. I worked for Disney, MTV, like you mentioned before. I mean, pop culture and entertainment was great as a 20-something. And, and then moving to the US at the age of 25, um, I wanted to further my on-camera career. And I had some, I, I landed a job on Nickelodeon and but it was at a time when the country was changing. It was 2009. Um, there was a huge writer's strike in Hollywood. The economy crashed in 2009. And personally, I was part of a very closed conservative religious community. And one of the things that a lot of young women and men are pressured to do is get married um, as soon as possible. And mm -hmm. so I did for the first time. I got married um, at age 25 thinking, oh, everything will work out because we have the same beliefs. It did not. Four years later, I ended up leaving that marriage and it was the hardest decision I'd made because in that close-knit religious community, no one gets divorced unless you want to be completely shunned. Yeah. So I made this decision because the relationship was toxic, it was abusive, and my parents supported that decision, thankfully. And I knew I didn't want to be in a situation where my light was going to be dimmed forever and I just had to conform and follow these rules that didn't allow me to be the authentic version of me so upon leaving that marriage and that church and that religious mindset it was a chance for me to start over again at the age of 29 going on to 30 and looking at this new decade of my life going okay who am I who really am I and I really craved a community of women who I could you know vent to and and share all my vulnerabilities and all the struggles as I, that I was going through and then eventually I it led me to starting Girl Talk HQ because I wanted to start a blog where I could share women's stories and share my own story and it just grew from there 
And so now when I look back, I realize those seeds that my mom had planted just from being who she was and loving those stories as a young mom, that's who I am today. I love stories. I love connecting with people through their stories. And so I used to be very ashamed of the fact that I was, you know, in my late twenties and divorced and having a failed marriage and, you know, people looking at me like, well, what did you do wrong? And so that was really the start of my journey. And that's kind of brought me to where I am today. And, you know, storytelling is a thing that I, I don't care what school you've been to, how much money you have, it's who are you and how can I connect with you uh, through the things that you've been through. And so that's who I am today. I'm, I'm a storyteller and a connector. Yeah. Well, you're just talking about all the things that I've been doing all these many years. You know, I, I felt the same way. Uh, I mean, I also went through a divorce and it was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever gone yeah. through because, I mean, I felt in some ways that I was a failure too. But again, the freedom that came and then the, that once again, the ability and the freedom to say, who am I and yeah. what's important to me? You know, and women can act for good. You're talking about exactly what we do. You know, the, the mission is very simple. Women supporting other women. You know, you talk about a lot of indigenous and women of color, but also in the white community, women do not support one another. I'll be very, very honest with you. Uh, that especially when I was going through my, my changes in my life is that women did not connect. They did not tell their stories and they surely did not support one another. So for me, it was a matter of, I've got to go find people too. I've got to find people that, that think like I do, see things like I do, who care about what I do and want to make a difference in the world. And, and again, that was your career path and has been extremely important in my career path is also. But that's it. We're all seeking and we're all out there looking for a community of like-minded people who want to work together to make the world a better place. And you're doing it. So that's that's what this is about talking to you today. This is this is interesting. Wonder Wonder Woman, the book. Gloria Felt is a good friend of mine. And so she yes, I, when I saw her in the book, I thought, oh, fantastic. And, and she has a story. I mean, every woman in your in your book has a story and oftentimes started out with a challenge, a huge challenge. And then an opportunity. And I think that's the difference sometimes with women. Some women are afraid. In fact, that's one of our biggest issues is that women are concerned about being liked. They're concerned about making a mistake yeah. and they don't want to look bad. They, my grandmother used to, my grandmother, who I was named after, Mama Nancy, oh. used to say to me, I'd come in and I'd be upset. And she'd go, oh, Nancy, you must have shown your petticoat. Well, nobody wears <laughs> But back then you didn't show your petticoat. So right. she, she was always kind of boosting me up. But the thing is, is that once we understand that our voice and our stories are the most important thing we have and what we can share with other women and men to, to support one another is the key. So, all right, well, the, the media, let's talk about the media because I think this is huge. There's two, two areas that I really want to concentrate on. Your book is fantastic. I, all those stories, people must go read them. But the issue of media and empowerment is still huge today. Here we are, 2022. You know, we went through the Me Too period and we're still going through that. Sexual harassment is still a huge yeah. issue. Human sexual trafficking is still a huge yep. issue. It's been reported that is the second largest business in the United States of America. And, and you know, you hear these kinds of things and you just go, this is absolutely wrong. What are we doing about that? Well, media. 
this has been a key also. When I first started talking, I did a lot of media coverage for women. You know, all the media that is out there, stay young and beautiful if you want to be loved. Be thin, be beautiful, be quiet, you know, don't don't ruffle your fle- uh, feathers. But don't age. Or, or don't age. Yeah, yeah. age is completely out of, out of the question. Out of the question. And, you know, and I think this is where white women, again, became so competitive with one another because they were out there trying to be young, trying to be young, beautiful. And I guess aging is just a process. But so media right now is still a huge issue. I mean, I don't watch TV anymore. I really don't watch. I watch movies. I love good movies. Those those great movies that make you feel good. But the media pounds away and they they make women depressed. They make women feel guilty and they drive women to, to buy products and services that yeah. will continue to keep them in the, the product line that they want to sell. So what, what are your thoughts about that? Because I think it's huge still. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's that quote that I love, the most radical act a woman could do is love herself the way she is because it's a business to get us to hate ourselves. And, you know, we were talking about earlier about feeling like a failure going through a divorce. That's because we're sold the idea that the ultimate thing that you could do as a woman is to get married to a man and have children. Like that is your role and responsibility and stay thin and stay young. And the minute you step outside those parameters or expectations, all of a sudden we feel we feel that weight of expectation like, oh, we failed somehow. But thankfully, you know, the media has a huge responsibility to reflect the reality of, of human life. We're so complex. We're we're flawed, we're different, we're varied. There's no way that all of us can fit into one one size fix, fits all box. And I think with social media especially, we've seen a huge shift in that. I mean, there's a lot of bad things on social media, but it's really given a voice to a lot of people to speak back against, no, these are harmful advertising standards and I don't wanna see that on my newsfeed. And we're gonna call that out. We're gonna start an online petition and we're gonna change that. Or in the media, there was, um. I think it was Reese Witherspoon a few years ago, she started a hashtag with the misrepresentation organization called Ask Her More at the Oscars. So instead of asking women like, what are you wearing? And who's your designer? Like, tell me about the role you played and what is life like for you as a creative person, you know, and asking her more. And that was so powerful. It's like, yeah, shouldn't we know more about what these women are doing rather than just the way that they look? And I think those kind of disruptive narratives are really going to shift the way that we think about women in the world and also ourselves. And, you know, the younger generation is watching Gen Z. Uh, they're on social media. They're now coming up. They've, they're on voting age, a lot of them. They're going to college. They're seeing us as role models. And so it really reminds me to be authentic and not be afraid of making mistakes and failing because that's what makes us human. And honestly, the more that we are vulnerable about our ups and downs, the more we connect with other people because then we're not afraid to go, oh, she she stumbled or she went through a divorce and she failed on that project. Oh, so did I. Okay, great. I feel okay about myself again. And so I think it's important to utilize the media in a good way and, and for us to be disruptors and, you know, not just follow the rules that we're taught to, to follow mm-hmm. and, you know, to share our own stories and, and utilize the media in a way that kind of shifts that narrative. Yeah, I love that word disruptor. I've heard that before from other women. Yeah, you know, shake it up, disrupt. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, and we still have to get others to join with us to do that as well. But okay, you have children, you have two children. 
Yeah. And no doubt there are many lessons learned from having children, but lessons, oh, yeah. lessons to give as well. So do you have daughters, sons? Do you have both? I have one of each. My daughter is three. My son is five and they're both in school now. So yeah, I've, I've definitely learned a lot from them and still am <laughs> as, a, as a relatively young mother, but who's not that young. <laughs> You've got some great surprises ahead. I, I, oh have, I have three and I have grandchildren and great grandchildren. So much to come in your, in your future. But, you know, I, again, these things that you talk about are extremely important. And I, I want to talk about this because it's so much on people's mind right now abortion rights, not reproductive rights. Uh, yeah. We should have whatever rights. When did we stop forgetting our bodies are our own? Every election, every <laughs> election we have in the United States of America, abortion becomes a huge yes. issue. And, and again, I, I've always believed this is a way to control women and to keep mm -hmm. women that we don't have a voice, we don't have a vote, and we, we stay in the, in the background. If you look at our history, I don't know, this is one thing I challenge you to go look at. 50-50 Women by Tiffany Shalane. It talks about 50 women in our history of all colors, all backgrounds, who have made a difference. And these are the shoulders that we're currently standing on. You and I both are standing on the shoulders of women who've done the hard work and we continue to learn from. But again, we, we, we have to come from a place where, I mean, our voice and our bodies are so very important. So let's talk about your, your program and this documentary that you're making, because to me right now, that is a key conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at my daughter and I think I don't want her to grow up in a world where she doesn't have rights or she has less rights than me and or, you know, from generations past. And it's it's really scary to think. And, you know, the majority of this country, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever, I think everyone really values that freedom to make the choice about your family, your life, your body. And, and that was reflected in the numbers. But when Roe versus Wade was still around, seven in 10 Americans believe that abortion should be legal and Roe versus Wade should stand. And that cuts across all different demographics. And so you saw in the midterm elections last week where, or you know, at the time of this recording last week, where abortion was the number one issue. It's connected to your financial status, your ability to make choices in life, your ability to access healthcare, ability to provide for your family, plan for your family. And so the documentaries that I'm making, one is a short documentary using a lot of animation about three women who have had abortions later in their pregnancy. And there's a lot of stigma around later abortion because there are these narratives that say, oh, you know, these women in their seventh, eighth or ninth month are just are just, you know, aborting their babies. Well, these are the most heartbreaking stories. They are the most challenging situations where they found out information about the pregnancy that they could not have known earlier. And now they're stuck with anywhere from ten dollars to $30,000 to pay for a procedure, having to travel out of state because there are very few states that provide um, mm -hmm. the abortion procedure later in pregnancy. Now that Roe v. Wade is gone, that's going to become even more stigmatized and harder to access. And so I really had an opportunity to share these stories to make people aware that we've got to be mindful of the terms that we repeat and the things that we say and the things that we listen to in political debates because the facts are not always there. And again, it comes back to storytelling. When you see these women's stories, the short documentary is called Someone You Know and it's in post-production right now. And it really shows that these women could be you, they, are, they could be like someone you know because 
They're everyday women, just two of them are mothers. One is a student. They're just trying to live their lives and make the best decisions. And the other docu-series that I'm working on right now, the working title is Life at All Costs. And it's looking at the impact of global reproductive rights laws and also the impact of criminalization. So the minute you put any restriction on an abortion procedure, what that does is criminalize it. So if you say you go to a country where in Argentina, for instance, it's legal up to 14 weeks. Well, what that means is post 14 weeks, you could potentially face imprisonment. And so there's a lot of awareness now that criminalization is not the way to go. What it needs to be recognized is as a health procedure. And this is a personal issue. And when you put restrictions, what you do is you push people to the margins and you isolate people who have miscarriages, people who don't have access to healthcare, people who may be on a lower socioeconomic status. And so we're really trying to show through this series that what does it mean to value life and what does it mean to champion reproductive rights? And it means for me, it's abortion restrictions should not exist, but also the idea of reproductive justice, which is a movement coined by black women leaders in this country, that it's also the right to parent your children in safety and with healthy resources and with the support that you need. So, you know, we don't have affordable childcare in this country. We're the only developed nation not to have a national paid family leave scheme. You know, all these things that make up the idea of reproductive rights and reproductive justice, and we're just not there yet. So for me to make these documentaries is really important and to lead with individual stories and the storytelling narrative. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it, one, because I'm a mother and having given birth to two children, and thankfully I was very lucky that nothing went, I had a very smooth pregnancy and childbirth, but if something had gone wrong, just the thought that do I have to call my local legislator to see what I'm allowed to do? I mean, that's just absurd, but that's the reality we're looking at now in, with post, you know, post Roe v. Wade, but also the church that I used to go to, they were very anti-choice and a lot of people would talk about it from the pulpit and women would say, oh yes, I'm, you know, quote unquote pro-life. But since leaving that church and putting my more progressive views out there and being a champion for reproductive justice and freedom, I would learn secretly through your private messages from many of those same women that they had abortions or they had miscarriages and they felt ashamed and afraid of telling anyone. And that really broke my heart. So part of me feels a sense of duty to carry these stories and really show the nuance and the complexity of this issue that it's not black and white and calling yourself pro-choice is not enough. We have to be champions and of reproductive freedom and, and, and the justice aspect of that too. So yeah. that's why I'm passionate about this. And that's, these are the projects that I'm, I'm working on today. Well, I, I would love for you to let us help you and support that. Uh, the question I have is, are you getting pushback? What kind of pushback are you getting? Is anyone uh, threatening you? Anybody pushing you as far as what you're attempting to do? Or do you, do you feel safe in what you're doing? I guess that's my question right now for anybody who's challenging. I'll just give you an example. In this particular state, I'm not going to mention what state it is, but there were men picketing out front of the Planned Parenthood. They're men. They're not women. They're men outside and they're staked out. They're staked out and with signs. And, you know, when when men begin to reproduce 
and men begin to to have a birth can have can have birth a child and carry a pregnancy i i would be okay with them standing and picketing on front of planned parenthood but it's, until that happens i find it very very difficult to understand why men are out in front of a planned parenthood office so i mean to me that's just ridiculous but what kind of pushback are you getting are you are you are you feeling safe about what you're doing so far, I'm feeling safe. I think because my projects are, one is in post-production and the other one is in development. They haven't been released out there yet. The pushback that I've gotten is fairly minimal. You know, I, I did a Kickstarter campaign and I've got um, a fiscal sponsor landing page, which has information about it. And I've got information on my website too. So I've had emails every now and then just from people who are very anti-choice and, you know, they say nasty things about me, but they don't know me. And so, I, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. And I don't debate I don't debate abortion or reproductive rights. Uh, you know, I, I just ignore it. So I am kind of bracing myself for that in the future. And also because the rules have now changed in America, what you put online could potentially be grounds for investigation. And so using digital media, we do have to be very careful and yeah. the apps that we use. And so I'm definitely being more mindful and learning more about that from a lot of reproductive rights leaders, you know, how we share information and messages um, about abortion, it, just even how to get an abortion pill if you need it. Like that's a piece of healthcare information, but now it's being flagged as self-harm on some websites, which is completely ridiculous. Yeah. And it just yeah. goes to show you who's in power and who's making these rules about what we can talk about. So yeah, yeah it's yeah, interesting. Well, but, well, I'd love to support what you're doing. We'd love to support what you're doing, but in, also in the meantime, you know, uh, just writing a blog for us or a post about this. Yeah. Would be I I love the terminology reproductive rights reproductive justice I think is the is the key and and talking about the financial and the, the whole big picture as to how this affects our economy affects everything about us as far as you know our our world and so these are the kinds of things that most people don't even think about they're just all they don't they're not knowledgeable. And they're letting people tell them what to do and how to do it and why to do it. And they're not getting the information. So to me, information is power. And so people can make a decision whether or not, you know, then, then they have good choices. They can make good choices and know once they have good options to do so. So whatever we can do to support you in that effort, please let us know. But, Thank uh, you. Yes. All right, Wonder, I, we really didn't talk about Wonder Women a lot, but I tell you what, the book is great. It'll make you feel good. You're uplifted as far as women in all areas of life and what they're doing. And the, the challenges, they're taking them on and they're coming out the other side and teaching us so much with each and every story. So um, I would love for you to be a part of our community. We've all got to work together. We have a campaign that's ongoing and it's called the Lift Women Up campaign. And it's 52 weeks of everything that you can do to lift another woman up. And you're doing that every single day of your life. So we would just like for you to join that campaign and Absolutely. be a part of it. So uh, again, I would love to see something that we can post and, and, and promote what you're doing and, uh, and let us know other ways that we can support you as well. So tell us how we reach you, what about your book, uh, what you want people to know and how they can support all your your mission and your efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find Today's Wonder Women. Um, there's a website, todayswonderwomenbook.com, and you can find a link to 
the audible version and the hard copy um, you can visit my website www.ashadaya.com there you can find links to my ted talk you can find the projects that i'm working on the podcast series that i host and all the advocacy work that i do so and if you want to share your story and you want to find a platform to share your story um, hit up girltalkhq.com reach out to me and please i i want to do everything i can to lift women up and that's what I do every day with Girl Talk HQ. So share your story with me, visit the website. We're on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, yeah, those are the three main websites where you can follow what I'm doing and, and check out my work. You're a shining star for, and you fit perfectly into Women Connect for Good. So uh, I'm so pleased to have been able to talk to you today. I really encourage you to keep moving forward. Uh, don't let anyone stop you. Uh, if you if you need any encouragement or you need some in way, any way to keep you forward, Women Connect for Good is here for you. And Dr. Nancy will help you. So well, I love your Instagram videos and your TikTok videos. They give me motivation every day. So keep that up, Nancy. <laughs> well, I, I will. I will keep doing them. And uh, you know, I'm really talking to myself. <laughs> well, are we all really? We yeah, really, yeah, we yeah. really are. Aren't we? We're, we're the heroes that we needed to be. <laughs> yes, we're the superheroes we needed to be. But uh, thank you so much. And, and yes, please get us something in other ways we can support you. And let's stay connected. Yes, thank you so much. Have a have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Thanks, Nancy. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>